the fears aren't going to go away anytime soon. So there's going to be more virtual meetings. There's going to be more town halls. There's going to be more summits. There's going to be more Facebook lives and YouTube lives and Instagram lives. And the people who know how to really work the camera and and make it look like something better than everybody else, they're going to be the ones that go the farthest, the fastest. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I am Matt Rouse. Today, we're going to talk about video marketing with Alex Miner. And he's a video marketing strategist. He's a YouTuber, a podcaster, an award-winning filmmaker. He's got a history of TV news, live events, and music. And he's also a real-life superhero and the owner of I Am Media. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing good. I I laugh every time I hear somebody read that. (laughs) I know. I love that part. You had that on your website that you're you're either a superhero or a supervillain, but it could go either way. Depends on the day. (laughs) Right. Well, I've seen some of your work and, and I think you are a superhero. So let's get into it right away. What is a video marketing strategist? Okay. Well, most people, when they think of video and video for business, they're like, okay, I got to go hire a videographer. But the difference between a videographer and a video marketing strategist is with a videographer, most of them, and there are exceptions to the rule, but most of them are going to come in and it's going to be like, all right, what you want me to shoot? And they're expecting you to take them by the hand and give them the direction and tell them what you want, exactly what you want. And they'll do that. And they might be very good at doing that, but most likely they're going to do that. And then they're going to walk away with me as a video marketing strategist. The first time when I come in and you're like, yeah, I want a video. I want a one minute video for social media. Why? I'm going to ask you why, like, why are you stuck on one minute? What's that going to do for you? Like, what do you want it to do? And, and so it's really an investigative process where I have to dig deep with clients and really find out what their goals are. I have to find out the state of the business really, because when I walk in and they tell me they want a video, sometimes they don't really need a video or what they think they need a video for is not what they really need a video for. And so when I really dig into the business and learn about, you know, what products and services they offer, where their businesses now, where they're trying to be in 12 months, what kind of goal they're trying to accomplish or what they think a video will do for them, I might have a completely different solution for them. I'll give you an example. There was a realtor I talked to once. We didn't end up doing any business, but she came to me and she was like, yeah, we want to start doing video for social media. And that's all great. And I think everybody should do video for social media, but really starting to talk to her. What I found out was that her biggest problem was she was wasting time with unqualified buyers or people who had never had any experience, first-time buyers who had no idea what the home buying process was like. So my suggestion to her was like, the first thing you need to do is make a set of videos that you can use when people first approach you. First, you need a video that's going to just kind of set you up, tell people who you are, what you're all about, how you like to work, that sort of thing. So if they watch the video and they get the vibe that you're not their type of person or that your process is not something that they would be comfortable with, you're going to save time because they're going decide not to contact you. That's the first thing. Then once they've decided to contact you, you need a series of videos that's especially because you get contacted by so many first time buyers that's going to walk them through the home buying process. Because a lot of people, especially new buyers, the first thing they do is call a realtor when the when what they really need to do is go get pre-approved for a home loan. 
if you walk people through that process, you know, before you waste time running out and showing them houses, you're going to save yourself a ton of time. So that was my suggestion to her. And those are the type of conversations as a video marketing strategist that I'm going to have with people because it's like, okay, I see that you want to do this type of video and we can do that. I might gladly take your money to do that, but it might not get you where you want to be. So maybe we should do this instead. And so I'm going to come with ideas. I'm going to be more of a collaborator, more of an investigator and really try to come up with a solution that will actually fix a problem within the business. You know, that might not just be customer based. That might be internal. Maybe you need training videos. Maybe you need process videos. You know, there's just tons of tons of different things that video can do other than being great for social media. And about that point where a business owner contacts someone and says, hey, I need a one minute social media video. It's because they were listening to somebody on a podcast or on social media that says, if you're a business owner, you should have a one minute video that you put on Instagram. And they're like, "Okay, I guess I need a one minute video. There's no thought process behind it. Yeah. Right. And they don't know, really know anything about Instagram and the fact that you put a one minute video on Instagram, it's it's gone in a week. You know, like nobody remembers it in a week and it's not visible in a week unless people go to your feed. But most people don't go to your feed or I mean, your actual profile page. Most people are looking at the feed where everybody they're following's crap is dumped in non-sequential order. Yeah. And there's a really sharp fall off on the amount of time that something lasts on any social media platform for the most part. I think 48 hours is about tops on Instagram. I mean, unless you're only following like 30 people, <laughs> like, you know, if you got a few hundred people you're following on Instagram, you're lucky if you see anything more than 48 hours old ever. Yeah. The only way to really get a long term burn on Facebook, Instagram, any of them really is running ads. And then like you're breaking out of the algorithm, you're starting to target people. But a lot of people have this inexplicable antipathy towards ads or and and I think really it's just because they don't understand how the ads work. And so I do try to educate people on that. I definitely run ads for a few of my clients. And I mean, they work like I have a doctor that I work with. We did his kind of brand story video back in the fall, you know, November, December ish type. I think we finished it up and then we started running it as an ad in January. And at the end of 2019, he had gotten up to about. 100 patients in his practice because he's a fairly new practice. They opened they opened early last year. He's direct primary care, but he's a really great guy. Like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. He He's like this this sweet, old timey country doctor type dude, wears suspenders and bow ties, wow. the whole nine. Like, I mean, salt to the earth, like just I mean, you love this guy the second you meet him, but nobody knew he was there. And he's doing direct primary care, which is something that a lot of people might not know about, which is where he doesn't take insurance. It's kind of a subscription service. You pay a monthly fee and you can come see him as much as you want. But a lot of people don't understand that. They've never heard of it. And so I made sure that in his video, within that three minute, three and a half minute time frame, I completely laid out who he is, why he cares and the way that his practice works and since we've been running that ad, which we started like the first full week of January, he's gone from 100 patients to 200 patients. That's double your business. And I mean, is there a business out there who cannot say, what would 100% growth do for your business? Most businesses are growing like 8% a year, right? Yeah. 
hundred percent growth is amazing. I mean, we use video. I literally was just interviewing somebody two days ago and we had this discussion about Facebook ads where business owners are like, I tried Facebook ads and it didn't work. And you're like, no, you tried Facebook ads, what you think are Facebook ads, which is probably just boosted posts. And you didn't have the right message. You didn't target the right people. You didn't target the right geography. And the $100 you spent was a waste of money because you didn't know what you were doing. And does not to say that, that there's anything wrong with the business owner. It's just it's not your area of expertise. Right. Right. You really need. I mean, unless you're going to sit down and study the platform and really learn the ins and outs and, you know, try to find somebody who can, like, show you some advanced targeting strategies and things like that. Because, I mean, I'm still learning every day. You have to because it changes every week. <laughs> yeah, that. And I, I'll be honest, I only started running ads within the last year. But you see what I did for my client with one ad. And, and I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting that type of growth when we started running the ad. I'm very glad for what we managed to accomplish. But like, I'm already thinking to the next ad, like we're we're uh, starting to work on his next campaign because the growth is great. It's still happening. Even with COVID, he's still getting new patients. But I'm thinking like, OK, what do we need to do when this ad stops working? Because it's not going to work forever. And, you know, it's funny to say, you know, like you never know when kind of a video is going to stop working on social media. It's, it's strange how it, it like it can be perfectly fine and it, it's it's doing well. It's getting growth and stuff one day and then the next it day takes. it can just die. And that's a weird thing that, that happens with it. And I mean, just like you're saying about a business owner not being in kind of learning about Facebook ads, you know, between Facebook ads, Google ads, Bing ads, YouTube ads and Pinterest ads, just those groups. That's another area I need to get into, Pinterest ads. Now, Pinterest ads are wonderful, but I spend 40 probably hours every single week in those applications for the last six plus years. I mean, Pinterest ads haven't been out that long, but, and for Google ads for the last decade. So as a business owner, I don't know how someone thinks that they're just going to drop a hundred bucks on their credit card, stick a photo in and type, come buy my shit. And then suddenly it's going to work, right? This is just not the way that, that the system works, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with boosting posts. People always bash on boosted posts all the time, but they have a specific purpose. They can work. Yeah, they, they, can, they can work. Yeah, there's a purpose for them and you need to use them for the right thing, right? But if you're running video ads, you should be running video view ads. Because the purpose of a video view ad is, is for people to watch your video, right? And if you're trying to sell something, use a conversion ad. Well, well, talking about that, actually, the type of ad we're running with his video is lead gen ads. Okay. So we're we're using the fit on Facebook lead form to capture their information. And then his people are reaching out and contacting the prospective patients to try to book them an appointment, get in there and meet him. Because he's like, if you can get him in the office, I can sign him up. And Apparently he's doing it. <laughs> and I mean, lead form ads are a perfect example of a type of advertising that business owners generally don't understand if they're not in that kind of technology all the time. So we had a campaign that we had set up for a client that we had a lead ad. So if they clicked on the ad, it would open up that form that has their name and their email address pre-filled in. Yep. And all they have to do is hit the submit button and then 
that would trigger something on Zapier, which then fired them off an email that had a document attached to it and then put the sign them up for the mailing list. And the mailing list had a drip campaign and it would send them an email a day for the next seven days because it was one of those things, sign up for a seven day challenge. Absolutely everything was automated. Nice. All that somebody had to do was push the button on Facebook to say submit and they got a welcome email. They got seven days of whatever they were asked for. They got an offer at the end and the company made money. Awesome. If you're like a plumber is your, you know, your job, you're not going to be like, hey, I guess I should start making a multi channel funnel that's going to (laughs) have, you know, like you, you need some help with it. Right. Just like I'm not going to go fix my toilet. Right. You know, stay in your in in your lane of expertise, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with learning more about it, but man, if you're going to spend some money on it, you better get somebody to help you. And you know what? I don't want to get too far off down the the advertising rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we haven't talked about LinkedIn ads, but I just want to talk about actually just kind of regular LinkedIn, right? Because I love LinkedIn. Me too. Especially now. I've been just crushing LinkedIn lately. So in your opinion. Me too. Why do you think that business owners should focus more on LinkedIn? Because I know you were talking about that. It's the potential there because LinkedIn, if you think about social media in general, all these platforms have a certain shelf life and they go through stages of maturation. So like MySpace is come and gone because they did their thing. They had their heyday. You know, it was great at first. You can make tons of connections and opportunities, yada, yada, yada. But now it's an old man in debt. Facebook is a very mature platform. Instagram is a very mature platform, which is why it's so hard for people to make inroads there because most of the features are fully fleshed out. Like the only newish sort of thing, which isn't really new, but they're like the new priority of Facebook is Facebook groups. But LinkedIn as a content platform is really, really young. It's kind of where Facebook was five or six years ago. So there's a lot of opportunity there. And basically, this is also why it's possible to blow up on TikTok really easy, Um, not to jump platforms in, in talking about this. But the reason why it's so easy for people to blow up on TikTok is because there's a crap ton of people watching. And only a small portion of people creating the content. That's right. And so it's the same deal on LinkedIn because a lot of people are just really becoming hip to the fact that LinkedIn is a full content platform now. Like it's not just text posts anymore. It's picture posts. It's video posts up to 10 minutes long. They've got live streaming now. And so it's become a full-fledged content platform. But video has really only been a part of LinkedIn for like the last two years, maybe three, but I think it's last two years. Yeah, well, it was pretty short before too. Yeah. And so now it's up to now it's up to 10 minutes long. You know, like Facebook, I think you can have a video that's four hours if you if you really push it, and that's a video that you upload, not just the live stream. Like you can actually upload a four hour video to Facebook, which is something a lot of people don't know. But yeah, so LinkedIn is really, really a young content platform, especially where video is concerned. And, you know, there's something like almost 700 million people, I think, was the number I looked up today that are on LinkedIn. Only about one percent of them, which is about seven million people out of 700 million worldwide 
not in one country, worldwide, are creating content on the platform on a daily or, or on a weekly basis. And that includes the text posts, that includes the pictures, that includes the video. Out of that 7 million, it's like another 1% or, or definitely less than 10% that are making videos. So for me as a video creator, super, super, super wide open lane of opportunity because the instant you start making video on LinkedIn, as long as it's good, you stand out in a great positive way. But even if you just want to get on LinkedIn and write long article posts, and I think there's a limit of like 1500 characters or maybe 3000 characters or something, but you can do LinkedIn articles, but LinkedIn articles aren't getting the priority in the algorithm that they used to. They've kind of been bumped down, which LinkedIn makes some funny decisions algorithmically, which I've got a, I've got a video I need to make next week about that because they're, <laughs> they're kind of screwing the pooch here on a couple of things. So yeah, even if you just want to make regular text, but like I've made two, two posts this week that were like long text with a graphic and I'm not even that big on LinkedIn and I got about 3000 followers on LinkedIn and each of those posts did between like 2,500 and 3,500 views, those text posts. Now my sticking point with LinkedIn right now is that they're changing the rules and they're not telling people how they're changing the rules. Cause with video, a lot of, well, I don't know if it's a lot because I don't know how many people have noticed, but the video views on LinkedIn have dropped severely. Like a couple months ago, I was able to get like 12,000 views in a month. And, and granted, like, like I'm saying, I'm not a big time guy on LinkedIn. So 12,000 views on videos in a month is pretty good for me. Now I'm struggling to have a single video break 500 views. And so to me, from what my testing is showing, they've changed how they're counting views. So I don't, I don't know what their standards changed, but it used to be three seconds. Somebody had to watch your video for at least three seconds for it to count as a view. But something's changed because the video views have dropped, but engagement-wise on the posts, I'm getting the same sorts of engagement. Right. I think it's just the metric has changed, but the same number of people are still watching it. They just It's different how they count it. But the harm of that, as far as being somebody marketing yourself, is that if you're banking on getting opportunities, because to some of these companies that might want to do sponsorships or whatever, the numbers matter. So if they see that, and if you're someone who's concentrating on video and all your video posts, you know, you can't break a thousand views, they may be like, oh, maybe this guy's not the person we want to deal with anyway, if you're really concentrating on video. But somebody else who's just doing text posts and is busting out 5,000 views per post, it's like, okay, maybe we want to deal with him. But the thing that they don't realize is all you have to do to get a view on LinkedIn for a text post is scroll past it. You don't have to pay attention to it. All you have to do is scroll past it. Yeah, that's a metric that is obviously not really helping anyone except for if you need to rack up view count. Scrolling past something is not any kind of actual attention. Yeah. So the thing that I'm I'm going to make the, the video that I'm intending to put out next week is to tell people not to get discouraged by that and to really pay attention to their engagement, because the engagement per post, I think, is going to be the new metric that matters on LinkedIn, because my text posts or picture posts and my video posts are getting pretty much the same engagement. But the views look wildly different if you're just looking at the views. 
So I think also if you're a business owner or you're, you know, working in sales or something like that and you're trying to get clients or at least get some attention for your company and you haven't been posting on LinkedIn, I think the first thing you should do is just start posting, right? I mean, I I don't even care about checking metrics and stuff. If you're not doing anything, start doing something, right? Get the process going, learn how to use it, and then you could get some video, you know, shot or created and, and get that stuff started. But I think, you know, getting the ball rolling is pretty important. Also, Make sure you update your profile. Oh my God, you some terrible, terrible profiles. Oh yeah, optimizing profiles on LinkedIn is super important, especially now that LinkedIn has added this uh, featured section on the profile, which is awesome because I don't know if anybody says this on other platforms, but the current wisdom on LinkedIn is like, you need to make your profile into pretty much a landing page. So people need to come there and quickly be able to figure out exactly what it is you do, who you serve, how you can change their life. And with this feature section, the reason that this is so powerful is because with this, like on my profile, it really is a landing page now because in that featured section, I've got my video business card, which is kind of like my brand story. And then right next to that is a link for a discovery call. So if they watch the video and they like it, then they can just click over to the next thing and book an appointment with me. And then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, I've got a podcast. Here's a link to that. And so it's like a full blown, like I can have a full blown media showcase with them being on my profile for like 10 seconds. The uh, profile thing is fantastic because you can go in and you can select, like if you've already have a post that got a lot of engagement or it's something that helps with what you do, you could go to featured and you hit the little edit button on it and then there's a plus sign at the top and then you just pick whatever post you want and you hit done and it's added. Yep. I'll tell you, and I, I mean, I've mentioned this on a couple podcasts before, but my favorite part of my profile is that I changed my title to I won't DM you to sell anything. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, as soon as I did that, I doubled the amount of people who would connect with me. Nice. Because they know that I'm not going to DM them and sell something. And you know what? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with DMing people, you know, having a conversation with people. But I will tell you how annoying it gets really, really quickly when you're someone like me who who has their title as like, you know, a managing partner, an owner or something, right, for a company. You just get an almost unbelievable amount of messages that start with like, Hey, thanks for connecting with me. And then that like a day later, you get the automated message that says, Hey, I was looking at your profile or I was looking for businesses like you. Uh, do you have some time to get on a call and see how we can add value to each other? Whatever? I know it's a sales pitch. I don't even get the thanks for connecting message. They go straight into the sales straight pitch. Straight to sales pitch. Like I must get a hundred of those a week. Like it's just unbelievable how many I get. Thanks for adding me to your network. I wanted to uh, invite you to get on a sales call with me. Like, I don't even know who you are, <laughs> right? But you know what a great way for someone to learn who you are would be? Having a video. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Let me ask you something. And this, like, this isn't going to come out immediately, just so that people know it's May 8th right now when we're actually recording this. But obviously, there's still a lot of quarantine orders in place in most places in the United States and other countries. Do you think that the COVID has changed the type of content that businesses should be producing right now? Yes and no. I think businesses 
need to acknowledge that things have changed. But I can tell you, I'm getting tired of all the we're all we're all in this together and it's going to be all right. Like all those messages, like I'm I'm tired. of. Well, they're all the same, right? They're all the same. Every company put out the same message or all the emails about this is our response to the COVID. Like, look, bro, I don't care what Subway's response to the COVID-19 epidemic is. You know, like it doesn't matter to me, like unless I'm an actual customer buying something from you, like I don't need to know how your terms of service have changed and all that stuff. Like and uh. like, I think it's if if you're a customer and I want to tell you how I'm going to keep you safe, if you come into my store, that's a reasonable message to send. If you're an insurance company somewhere that I've never like I buy my insurance online or I call my broker and I don't go into their office physically ever. I don't need you to tell me what your COVID policy is. Like if you're a SaaS company, I don't give a shit what your COVID policy is. Exactly. They're like, we're making sure we have masks on our employees. And I'm like, I don't even know you had employees. I was just, I click on the button. It does the thing. Right. I, I don't think that's important. <laughs> right. Not, not to me. So what do you think people should be creating? Because I know I've spoken a bit to businesses about you should be making a video that shows how someone can get your product or service now. So like maybe if it's curbside pickup, it would be like, here's a video showing how you do curbside pickup. Yeah, definitely. Explainer videos, things that will help people know that you're still open and that they can still get the products that they know and love from you and that they can do it safely. Those type of things. I think that content is very valuable. I I think every freaking restaurant right now should be making a ton of content, like talking about not only stuff about curbside pickup, but maybe if the fact that once things go back to normal, you'll still do curbside pickup. Because I think most of these restaurants should like my favorite ramen shop downtown Orlando. I was able to drive up, get the ramen in two seconds and go back home. And it was awesome. And you know what? This is the reason that I go to like Starbucks is because I punch in my coffee in the app. It remembers what I had last time and I hit the button and it pays for it. And I drive up to the window. They hand it to me and I drive away. If everybody business does that now, then now you're on a level playing field with, you know, these large corporations. And other things like I just ordered pizza from Blaze Pizza via their app for my kids. And before COVID, they didn't deliver to my house. Right. And now they do. Yeah. And they've since the whole COVID thing and some people are iffy about, you know, having their food prepared by somebody else. They started doing make at home pizza kits. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Which I thought was brilliant. And my kids love that. We did it last week and they were like ecstatic that they could make their own pizza. So I've ordered it again. But like I found that by mistake, just going through the app and it was like, oh, okay, this is something new that's in here. And like they should have had a video about that and sent it out and like or had it on their social media or in their emails and stuff like that. Like, you know, every time you make a change like that, that's going to do something extra for the customers, like make a video about it. And you know what? I've been talking about this honestly for years, at least five or six years. What I want to see from a restaurant is the person who's either the owner of the restaurant or the chef or, you know, someone in charge of making the food decisions at the restaurant. And they're making the food and they're talking about why it has certain ingredients, what makes it taste so good, you know, showing them, you know, with the fire on the stove and they're flipping your food over and all that kind of crap. Right. Right. Or even even a lot of these restaurants, what I would suggest that they do, start a YouTube channel where you show them how to make your dishes. 
because most people aren't going to want to go buy those fancy ingredients. They're not going to want to take that time. But if they see that or if they see or even if they just see a nice video of it on your Instagram, like a 30 second video of, you know, really cool cuts of you preparing the food and it it looking so beautiful, that's going to make them want it. Yeah. And once you put that video on YouTube, how long does it stay there? Forever. That's right. And when people are looking up your restaurant, when they're Googling your restaurant, this is another thing that like I'm big on YouTube as well as LinkedIn. Those are like my two favorite platforms. And I've been making YouTube videos and uploading YouTube videos for like last two and a half years. So I'm super big on YouTube. I've started offering coaching services to clients for YouTube because most business owners are terrible at YouTube. Just putting that out there. But one thing, one advantage of, of putting videos on YouTube and properly SEO optimizing them, please people learn how to do this, is that when you search something on Google, it's reserving about six spots for videos at the top of your search. So you got a bunch of YouTube videos and somebody's searching for the stuff that you do. You have six extra shots to land at the top of the Google search where your web page is only in one shot. Yeah, and in our company is Hook SEO. I mean, we're an actual SEO agency first, and we call it Google Entity Stacking is kind of the term for it. And that is Google has a preference of Google's properties over anybody else's stuff. So if it's on YouTube, which is owned by Google, they're going to make it more likely that that comes up in search than anything anywhere else. And if you're also on their map, right, you're on Google My Business, now you get another shot at coming up. And then you're in organic yep. search because you have a website. So now you get another shot at coming up, right? And so you can do this and you can stack these these Google properties. We've had cases where we've had a single company's website show up between all those different areas. We've had them show up six times on page one. Push out all the competitors, right? And then the smart thing is you take those YouTube videos and you make a blog post on your website for every YouTube video that you put out. So now you're getting the links from... YouTube to your web, you know, all that sort of stuff going on. It just makes all this, all the SEO stronger. Yeah. If you have WordPress, there's a plugin that you can get that'll automatically take any YouTube video that's on your channel and post it on your site. Bam. You don't even have to do anything to your website. It just automatically pulls it from YouTube. So there's all kinds of ways. And does it pull the description too? It'll pull the description if you want it to. It'll even pull the tags, date. That's lovely. So without getting into how the API world works, There's lots of ways that you can automate that stuff. But I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Hanley that wrote Content Warfare. He's kind of big on the speaker circuit. No, but I I like the title. So I want to check that out. He was a guy, he had an insurance agency in upstate New York that he was working at. And he was a young guy and he was just starting out. And he was basically terrible at selling insurance. And it was his stepdad's business. And he was like about to get fired. So he came up with the idea to just take a cell phone and hold it out in front of him and record a video of the top 100 questions that ever get asked of insurance agents. Yes. Yes. And he posted them all on YouTube. And one of those videos, I guess he did that eight years ago. He said his company still makes hundreds of thousands of dollars off of some of those videos. And he doesn't even he's not even at that company anymore. That's awesome. That's the power of video. And this is old videos. I mean, they were like, I don't know if you've seen the generation difference between video on cell phones, but you go back eight generations, man, it was not good. Oh, it's terrible. So terrible. It was terrible. (laughs) All right. So let me ask you one more thing. 
What do you think about the live video, maybe the, the rise of live video and live video streaming that's happening on uh, like Facebook and YouTube? And I think it's very powerful if used properly. And what's proper really depends on your audience. Like you have to train them to expect it and to want it. If you don't take the time to do that, to really develop a regular expectation of doing the live streaming, of relating information in that manner, it's it's kind of useless. Like maybe you can do a one-off event if you've already got a following every now and then. That could be great. But most people, when you first start live streaming, it's just like when you first start doing video. Nobody's watching. Nobody cares. And, and the other thing is people need to prepare for their live streams. A lot of people do live streams off the cuff, no preparation. They don't know what they're ta- going to talk about. They're just like, we should go live because we should go live. And it looks really bad. So you need to prepare for your live streams the same way that you would prepare to shoot a video. But the powerful part is being able to interact with that audience live and you know, really start building a relationship. Uh, One of my favorite YouTubers and a friend of mine, her name is Diana Gladney. She's a video editor and sort of video marketer from St. Louis. She actually just did a webinar for Ecamm Live at this big E event they did last week on um, three live streaming secrets that you know, for building your audience on YouTube. And it it was awesome. But she's really cultivated that as part of her workflow and part of her marketing efforts on her YouTube channels. Like she does these lives and there's multiple reasons for it. One, it's because she doesn't have to shoot as many videos. I mean, she still shoots a ton of videos, but the live content because she's done it so long and become so good at it, she can just do a live two, three hours. And then she has a big chunk of content that she can turn into littler chunks of content that can go on her Instagram, can go on LinkedIn, can go all these other places, Facebook. And another thing that she's done is she started doing, she's got a podcast, but now she also does a daily Instagram live stream But because she's good at video, audio and all that stuff, she does a really high quality, records that. And that's the source of a ton of her micro content, plus just being another way that she gets more podcast stuff out. And I mean, man, this woman is a machine. Like, I'm so jealous. Like, I'd probably be doing much the same thing if I didn't have young children. But (laughs) well, micro content, just for anybody who may not know, is is anything that's short form, right? You know, kind of basically under a couple minutes is considered micro content. Yeah, usually under two minutes. Man, you know what? I started doing live again here recently, and we're just using StreamYard. And if everybody needs help with StreamYard, just get a hold of me. But uh, I started doing the marketing happy hour, and I started kind of randomly doing it, and people kind of liked it. We're just streaming on Facebook right now, but we're probably going to expand that out to YouTube. And I mean, I keep hitting up Instagram to activate my live, but. You know, who knows how long that's going to take. It's been six months now. But yeah, we're going to start streaming that on Twitter, you know, through Periscope. But I didn't realize it until I went and uploaded like you can uh, in Facebook on your Facebook page. You can make a video channel. Right. And you can put all your videos into the one channel that people can watch. Well, I've got 17 hours of video I've done since the quarantine started wow. from all those lives. Right. I didn't even realize it. I was like, but, I'm, you know, I'm doing an hour a couple times a week. So it adds up pretty fast, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. 
But that's a great way to to stack content and then, you know, get somebody like me to come through and and start breaking out the micro content for you. So you can keep you can make that content work for you over time in multiple different ways on multiple platforms. That's right. And we'll talk. But there's other thing. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about specifically that you do for companies. And this is something that I have not heard of anybody else doing. So so this is probably a good niche for you. You're helping companies look more professional when they're doing like virtual summits and like Zoom calls and stuff like that. How does that work? Well, basically, it is possible to get a big boy camera, not just a webcam, like a legit camera to feed into your computer. And now if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to look like crap, just like a webcam looks like crap. But there are ways to even make a webcam look better. So the service that I'm going to start offering to businesses who really want to level up their live streams, Zooms, webinars, et cetera, is either I can come to your office and help you get a setup that can be permanent in place. And, you know, if you're doing your daily Zooms or whatever it is, you're going to look more pro. You're going to look more professional. It's going to look cleaner. Or if you're doing like something special, a webinar, a summit, something where you really want to step it up and look not like everybody else right now, which is just you know, in their home office or at their kitchen table on the laptop camera that just, I'm sorry, they, they all look terrible. I can't, <laughs> I can't do. do it. I can't do it. I refuse to. It's going to make you stand out. Right. It's going to make you more memorable. Like right now, when I talk to new clients, when I talk to anybody really via Zoom or Google Hangout or whatever it is, if it's, if it's computer based with a video image, I have one of my legit cameras that I use to actually shoot client projects plugged into this computer. I've got pro audio running into the computer and I'm memorable. I stand out every Zoom call, every interaction digitally. I am one of the people that gets remembered because my stuff looks legit yeah. and i mean the people listening can't see you but you do look legit honestly <laughs> I mean, you look fantastic i'm at the co-working space right now so i kind of look like butt you know i look like the average person on zoom call not to say that that's bad but i mean if you're a business and you want to stand out absolutely i mean when i'm at home and i have my whole setup i got my lights and my green screen and all my all my stuff together i mean i'm not even going 100 percent pro but i stand out like you could just look at the screen, you know, you know, everybody takes those those screenshots now of Zoom. Like there's like 500 screenshots a day on Facebook of people on their Zoom calls. You're the only person that anybody sees because your your video and everything is clear and everybody else looks like a silhouette or like they look like their eyes are black, you know, because the shadows from the lights. And yeah. <laughs> People are going to start doing this. People are going to start leveling up. And if you don't get with the program and start making sure that if you're a presenter, if you're a speaker, if you're a professional or expert of any kind and you're being featured at one of these things, you're the first one to start doing this. You're going to be memorable. You're going to start getting more gigs. You're going to be booked more and you're going to have a better opportunity to record what you're doing for the summit and repurpose it into additional content because your stuff is going to look amazing and sound amazing. It's only going to pay dividends over time because these virtual summits, there's going to be more of them. Even when everything's back open, there's going to be more of them. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Just like when 
everything kind of dies down and and we're past this season of our lives, there's still going to be people working at home because now we know it's possible and we know people will attend. And just to be be real, there's going to be people who are still scared to go out. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, the fears aren't going to go away anytime soon. So there's going to be more virtual meetings. There's going to be more town halls. There's going to be more summits. There's going to be more Facebook lives and YouTube lives and Instagram lives. And the people who know how to really work the camera and and make it look like something better than everybody else, they're going to be the ones that go the farthest, the fastest. It's just like with YouTube. Everybody used to look like crap on YouTube. And now most people think that to be a full-time YouTuber, you got to have a a damn camera crew and editors, which you don't, but. Well, you can make stuff that looks pretty good. Yeah. But pretty much everybody who's like a serious YouTube. And well, I'm kind of biased because I'm in the camera YouTube world where it's kind of like, you can't be a camera YouTuber and have crappy looking video. You just can't. But even like cooking shows on YouTube, you know, fix it shows on YouTube. Like, Everybody who's serious about YouTube has leveled up their camera game. And it's going to be the same thing with live streaming and these summits and, and all that type of stuff. Like it's coming it and maybe six months from now, but pretty soon you're going to see all the experts, all the people who are serious about their business and doing these courses and, and live events and whatnot. They're going to start leveling up their game and you don't want to be left behind. I don't even think it's going to take that long. I don't think it's going to take that long. I mean, the new Zoom update had a 1040 option in the camera, but that was what, a few weeks ago, right? I mean, there's going to be improvements to that. And you got to remember, if you're on something like, here's the thing about YouTube that nobody understands, okay, from a business owner standpoint. YouTube is not a place people go on the computer to watch videos. YouTube is a television channel because everyone who has a Fire TV from Amazon, which is literally millions of people or a PlayStation or a Wii or you or whatever, Nintendo switch or some kind of TV box or a smart TV. YouTube is just a button. You push the button, you're on YouTube and you can type with your remote or you can speak into it and videos show up, right? It's basically Netflix at this point, right? I mean, it it is, but the surprising thing is the place people watch YouTube the most is still on mobile devices. Oh, yeah, for sure. But what I'm saying is that it's not like when I I talk to business owners all the time about, you know, various kind of platforms and stuff, too. And and people just I mean, they ask me questions like that. They say, well, does anybody really watch YouTube? And I'm like, is is, are you even asking me that question? (laughs) I'm like, maybe you don't know. Right. Have you been hiding under a rock? (laughs) Well, you know, you get a lot of business owners who work, you know, they're working. 50, 60, 70 hour weeks, they're not going home and, you know, they're maybe watching some Netflix or something, right? They're not, you know, heavy users of media, like kind of the average consumer is, right? I'm biased. (laughs) But yeah, YouTube. I mean, let me show you how YouTube works in my house. My daughter picks up the remote and she clicks on the button with the little voice microphone button on it. And she says, Peppa Pig toys on YouTube. And YouTube opens up with a video of people playing with Peppa Pig toys. And she's happy. Like, that's it. And she's four. So, I mean, kids are growing up with the ability to watch video anytime they want. And we haven't even scratched the surface talking about Twitch. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. But I really like the idea of of helping, you know, coaches and, and companies and stuff with kind of leveling up their video because I think it's a great way to stand out. You know, in the busy marketplace, 
they say, I, I don't remember the exact Seth Godin quote, but it's if, if you're in a busy marketplace, being the same is the same as being invisible, right? Exactly. If you don't stand out, you're invisible. And so you want to stand out. Alex, thank you so much for being on the show today. How can people, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn every day, pretty much. Just search Alex Miner, M-I-N-O-R. You'll find me. That's LinkedIn.com slash I-N slash Alex Miner. Yep. And if you want to look for my company, that's I am media, E-Y-E-A-M-M-E-D-I-A. And uh, yeah, I'm out here just I'm, I'm making content. I'm trying to meet people and have conversations, form relationships and just build a better business. Nice. That sounds great. And we'll have those links and stuff in the show notes. Get the show notes from your podcast provider or at hookseo.com slash podcast. Alex, thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for inviting me. It was a good time. We'll talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we learn about mixology with John Paul Ortega of Raise the Bar PDX. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.